Welcome to The Dog Show, a podcast for dog mums and dads who like to spoil their pups and care for their well-being. I'm your host, Will Blunt, and every week I interview global experts about dog health, nutrition, behaviour, trends, and much more. Let's sink our teeth into this week's episode. This episode of The Dog Show features Janie Rose and May Wilson. Janie and May are part of the team at Blue Wheelers, Australia's number one mobile dog grooming franchise. Before buying Blue Wheelers with her husband, Janie worked for Village Roadshow Limited, actively marketing movies, theme parks and cinemas. May, on the other hand, was managing a financial planning practice when she decided she was looking for better job satisfaction less stress, and more earning potential. So she became a Blue Wheelers mobile dog groomer in 2008. In the interview, we discuss all things dog grooming, from the types of dogs that require the most grooming to how you can get started if you love dogs and want to become a groomer yourself. Janie and May, welcome to the dog show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to have a couple of the Blue Wheelers team on the podcast and we're going to talk all things grooming, dog grooming today and everything that you're, all the cool stuff you've been doing at Blue Wheelers for many, many years. But to get things started, I'd like to hear a bit more about both of you personally. Janie, let's start with you. I believe you've got a dog of your own. What type of dog do you have? I have Lulu Labradoodle. She has been in our lives for about six years and best thing ever just a complete game changer in our house and funnily enough and Mabel know this story but my partner who owns blue wheelers with me mm. didn't want a dog originally <laughs> <laughs> and it took a little bit of um, encouragement but now of course the dog loves him the most because that's what always happens and uh, they are yeah they're inseparable yeah uh, so the Labradoodle, I believe, when we start to talk more about grooming later on, Labradoodles are a breed that do require quite a lot of grooming. Is that right? Absolutely. So we're very happy today because our Melbourne groomers are back on the road as of today and they are just so pumped to get out there and get grooming because and they'll be cutting them right back, unfortunately, because they'll all be very at it. It's been... How many weeks? 10, 11 weeks? 11. Yeah. So, um, and if they were at the end of the cycle due for their groom the following week, they're, you know, they've possibly not been touched for five months or more. So, yeah, they'll all be getting clipped back, shot back in sight. Is there anything about Labradoodles that the average person wouldn't know which you could share as an owner? The thing that I would say in terms of grooming or just in terms of the actual breed? Yeah, just in terms of their personality or, or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. They are the best family dog. Any Oodle really is a great dog to have because they, they're they super friendly, they're easy trained, they're absolutely loving and gentle dogs. So um, I basically was just saying that they have a little bit more energy than a Kaboodle and uh, they do like a little bit of exercise and you can get them in all different sizes. So I've got a mini 
but she's probably more like a medium dog. Um, but you can get much bigger ones. And then you can get a Grudel that's even bigger again. And they're just stunning. Very uh, trainable, I, I understand as well. Would that be fair to say? Very trainable. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, am, I would recommend to anybody that gets a new puppy or a dog to have a trainer come to the house and sort you out pretty quickly. It's not about training the dog. It's about training the owners. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you said, early in the, the life of the dog, it's very, those formative years are very important for the training aspect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, May, how about you? You've got your own dog as well, I believe. Oh, yes, I've got two actually. I've okay. Australian Kelpie, who's 13 years old now, 13 and a half, and a Cooley Quastapi, she's 11 and a half. And I've had, they're both rescue dogs, one rescued for my hairdresser and the other one rescued from a rescue centre in Pearsdale. And I just love them to bits. I didn't get a dog to groom because I had just started that year in 2008 with my mobile dog grooming salon and we'd lost our blue heel across that I used to run with every morning and people said, oh, you must be getting, you'll have to get a fluffy dog now, your dog groomer. And I said, oh, I don't know about that because it might be like the cobbler's children that go around barefoot. And I made <laughs> yeah. that time. And, uh, but I just love my two dogs. They're just super beautiful and they're very active. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a very active dog that I could run with, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's like um, if you're a groomer, probably the last thing you want to do at night when you come home from work is groom another dog. So it might be good to have a low-maintenance breed. <laughs> that's what I figured. That's what I figured. So, you know, of course they need their baths as well and they need their – especially the Australian Kelpie, people don't realise they've got a double coat, so they do need to be brushed out regularly and bathed. And, yes, but otherwise they're, they're fairly well low-maintenance and beautiful dogs as well. I mean, any dog. I just love all dogs. Yeah, yeah so do I. <laughs> what age were they when you, you rested them? You mentioned? Yeah, Spider, the Kelpie, he was 16 months old. And my hairdresser, she got him from her brother who actually bred the Kelpies for farmers as working dogs and she had two kids running a business and she couldn't walk him or run him he wasn't allowed in the house and she knew how I would look after him so when we lost Scooby and she said do you want you know are you going to get another dog and I said yes but I'll wait and oh you know poor spider I can't look after him properly and I know you will so I took him on and then we've got yeah, we've got Bonnie then about a year later to be his mate, so um, just to keep him company. So, That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I think especially with the Kelpie, not being able to exercise them a lot could be a real, a real big challenge because they need a lot, don't they? They can run thirty-five kilometres a day. That's what they oh, would wow. do. In, that's what they would do in a working day. They wouldn't be running the whole thing, but they, yeah. And actually, now Spider does have a bit of back issues and muscle issues because of the way he runs all stop starts and spins himself around and those sorts. So he has to have, but he gets a massage every month. I take him to a canine massage. That's nice. <laughs> he has a massage and Bonnie's started to as, uh, now as well. They're getting on and they need to be looked after. If you have a dog, you have a dog for life and, and there is your responsibility and you need to look after them. Grooming, health massages, all that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I haven't heard a lot about dogs getting massages often. 
is that part of kind of the grooming ecosystem or is that something separate? It's no, it's not to do with the wheelers. She's a um, she's a canine masseur. She's physio. She's a physio for dogs. So and yeah, she's she's very good. You know, I've been using her for about three years with Spider, and now finally starting to get. Even though she's a bit of a princess, don't touch me here, don't touch me there. <laughs> but um, you know, Spider just loves it. He just loves it. Yes, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, humans need treatment on their muscles and things like that to improve movement and mobility and everything like that. So dogs are the same. Yeah. He hasn't got any arthritis, which is good. Mm. I've always yeah. maintained, you know, been very careful with running him as well. And He doesn't run anymore. He wants to, but I don't let him. It's just gentle walks now, even though he pulls me along. going. <laughs> Okay, so Janie, jumping back to you for a moment, how did you end up getting into the dog grooming industry? So my husband and I bought this business back in 2006 when it was in its uh, formative brand, which was called Hydro Dog at the time. And we had been in retail franchising and my husband just was completely over having to deal with shopping centre managements and rent renewals and all sorts of issues that come, you know, new fit-outs demanded every, you know, five years and all of these types of things. And he just was getting more and more stressed. And so it took us probably about two years to get out of that business. And then he spent about six months thinking about what he wanted to do. And one day he came home and he said, I've found, I've found our next business. And it's a dog grooming business. And I just laughed. I'm just saying, <laughs> you've got to be joking. You know, you're not even, a, you're not a, a doggy person. Um, he is now. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it just ticks all the boxes. There's no, no shopping centre management to deal with, no staff. It's owner occupied. And, you know, basically we both agree that anybody that owns a dog, anybody that wants to work with a dog is a good-hearted person, and that was really important to our values. That's what we wanted. So you were the you were the pioneers behind the Blue Wheelers brand and that iconic look that all of your um, your grooming kind of mobile grooming centres have. Sort of. So um, we didn't come up with the notion of the Blue Dog. That was the original owners came up with that idea. And I think they were very much inspired by the Dumb and Dumber dog in the movie. Actually, that's um, what it looks like now that I think about it. It does yeah. look like that. <laughs> so, um, so they came up with the notion and, and they had one made and they kind of grew the business from there. But unfortunately, they, they weren't really business people. They were big idea people. So when we bought the business in 2008, I'd say half of the franchisees we're, we're just not really right for the way that we wanted to take the business forward. So we stripped the business right back. We actually got some practicalities built into that mobile salon. And in 2006, we rebranded from Hydrodog to Blue Wheelers. Mm. And the reason that we did that was because in all of Australia, there was just different we had different trailers all over the country. So we had a square box trailer. We had a metal trailer we had a few blue dogs but not really anything of value so we just stripped it right back and aimed to become the blue dog company we tried to get that name the blue dog company but we couldn't get it and we 
connected up with an advertising and branding agency and they came up with the, the name Blue Wheelers and we went, that's it. That's because it yeah, sounds so like Blue Healers, Blue Wheelers. Oh, no, it's a great name. It's very, it's catchy and it's like immediately memorable, right? So Yes, absolutely. And we just redevised all the systems. We came up with, you know, a proper operations manual, proper systems, and May was very integral to that whole system. It wouldn't be what it is today if May hadn't come on board as well. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. That's a, totally that's a great important. segue then because May was, you know, a gr- has been a groomer for over 10 years now. Is that right, May? Um, and you were in the Blue, Blue Healer system and all of that. So how did you get into the industry? Well, I, um, I was in the financial services industry, so I was managing a financial planning practice and I had been a financial planner and that was stressful, so then I was managing the practice and then that was very stressful and um, I thought there has to be something better. And my sister and her partner had bought a hydro dog and so her partner was running the hydro dog mobile grooming and my sister had bought a salon and she said, May, May, you've got to do dog grooming. You'll love it. You'll love it. And, you know, yes. You know. So I said, oh, all right, I'll go out. And Paul was selling his business because he was, um, he finished his, he could do it while he was studying accountancy at uni. It's a good, you know, you can have the balance of doing different things. And I went out with him one day and I came home and I said to my husband, I'm going to buy the business. I'm buying Paul's business. And I told my sisters and they said, what? And friends, what? You're going from managing a financial planning practice to (laughs) washing dogs? And I said, yep. So I met with Martin, thought this is a totally professional person. I'm happy to be going into it because, you know, it's very professional. And I started in 2008 and I did that for nine and a half years when I sold my business to Ursula and... Janie and Martin, before I'd sold it, they'd said, May, can we? what are you going to be doing? And I said, oh, I don't know, maybe still stay with Vic Support because I was looking after the Victorian team as well. And they offered me the position of operations manager and training as well. And that was back in 2017. And I just love it. I love the people, love the franchisees, love being with the dogs all that and I haven't looked back it's been a wonderful career wish I'd done it 20 years ago (laughs) isn't isn't it funny when you find that one thing that you really love doing and you you know you just wish you could have found it earlier but often it takes that journey to be able to discover it so yeah that's it we're very doggy family we've had dogs since we got married since that we bought our house over 40 years ago our first house we've had dogs right through my sisters had dogs they've got four or five dogs you know we're just doggy people and you know you must love dogs to do this but yeah when you walk down the street if you haven't got your dogs and you walk down the street and you see a dog you don't look at the person you look at the dog and you've got to talk absolutely (laughs) you know that's just the way it is i've been known to stand outside shops where the where dogs have been tied up I can't bear to see it i know know. and i often will stand there until the owner comes back Because I just think someone's going to steal that dog. I never quite understand that actually. When there's yeah, you can't see anyone within Kui. Like sometimes if the owner's you know, right nearby at a cafe or something, yeah. and maybe it maybe it's all right. But sometimes they're just left there, right? Which I don't quite get yeah. anyway. Outside the supermarket, and <laughs> um, it has happened. You know, they come out and their dog's gone. You know, yeah. which would be 
devastating. But oh, anyway. Devastating. So it sounds like for both of you, what I'm hearing is while Janie, yours was more of a, a business decision originally, the reason you like the idea of the dog grooming industry is because, you know, dog people have kind hearts, they're passionate about what they do. Um, and then May's obviously just shown that by being a dog person and absolutely loving um, everything to do with dogs, both of you. And that's probably why it's been such a successful business to this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I think when we first bought the business back in 2006, I think we had 110 franchisees thereabouts. And now we've got 185 franchisees nationally. And um, we've seen lots of people come and go. It's definitely not a business for everyone. But if they've got the right attitude, if they've got the right, you know, the right feeling towards it, uh, and they've got a personality, they will fly in this business. I mean, dog ownership has just, particularly through COVID, has just skyrocketed beyond belief. Yeah, it has. But I guess that there could be a flow-on effect which will cause some issues, I believe, uh, with so much more dog ownership people. Because as May touched on, like when you get a dog, it's a big responsibility. You've got to look after that dog for its whole life and you've got to give it everything it needs from a medical and, and care perspective. I'm assuming that a lot of people might have jumped into things before they were, were necessarily aware for that. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Hopefully yeah. hopefully it doesn't result in too many an additional rescue kind of situations. Hopefully not. And I think also a lot of the breeders, um, a little bit off topic, but, you know, the prices of dogs have just also skyrocketed. I mean, our, our dog that we bought in so six years ago was just over $2,000. And I can tell you that same breeder is now selling them for nine, which is a little bit, it's a little bit on the nose to me. It's not quite uh, I feel that anyway it's another topic and I don't want to get political yeah. but yes <laughs> it upsets me because yeah. it's kind of just taking advantage of a situation and I don't I don't approve of it but yeah the ethics of the breeding ecosystem is very um that's a huge topic in itself I think absolutely yes absolutely yeah. have views. it might stop people who you know if they've got to invest nine thousand dollars it might stop you know, might make them stop and think, okay, we really need to look after it and yeah. they make others not be able to purchase and then, oh, well, if they're, if they're cheaper, oh, well, I'll just buy it, oh, okay, abandon it, take it to the pound yeah. if we decide it's not the right fit for us. So, yeah. can't, you know, hoping $9,000 is going to sort the wheat from the chaff. Do you really That's want true. the dog going to look after it? If you can pay $9,000, you can pay to have it groomed. As you know, Janie, a Labradoodle yeah. or any of your oodle mixes, you can't just maintain them at home. You would have to do a grooming course yourself to maintain that dog. They have very special grooming needs. Yeah, and absolutely. they can't be left to just from, you know, three months, four months to go without being groomed at all. They need yeah. regular and it's a very big investment to make and yeah. a very responsible one. That's a good point, May. I think, yeah, the, the maybe the price go, going up, even though it's potentially unethical, it could actually help weed out those the owners that which might just kind of lose interest at some point. But, May, it's interesting that you mentioned 
the types of dogs which require regular grooming and, and professional grooming. So it seems like all the oodles or all the kind of doodle mixes and everything are, are kind of on the top of the list. But what other types Absolutely. of dogs um, are most likely to need professional grooming? When I started in 2008, Will, the national dog was the Maltese Shih Tzu Cross. Okay. Every single, you know, every second one you went to groom was a Maltese Shih Tzu Cross. They were the dog of the, and they were relatively easy to look after. Some of them, they could be have a clip every three months, and then the customer could, you know, the dog owner could maintain them in between, you know, this sort of thing. But as we went along, uh, poodles were another one that were very popular at the time, and they needed to be groomed, you know, every three four weeks regular groom to keep their the shape of their coat and that. But over years, seeing the oodles where I think a lot of dog owners don't understand that you're breeding, their dog's being bred from a breed that sheds its coat with a breed that doesn't shed its coat or sheds every three years like mm-hmm. a poodle. And a Labrador, Golden Retriever, Spaniels, they all shed seasonally or continuously. So they will mat very, very quickly and just a bit of a brush doesn't cut it. It Actually, some of them need to be combed as well. And we can get them, say they haven't been groomed for 10 weeks at a groom, and their coat will be matted to the skin. And sometimes the owner doesn't understand when the groomer says, I'm sorry, I can't keep that nice tight curl in it because it's actually so tightly matted mm. close to the skin, it's pulling on the dog's skin and it's causing bruising and other the skin to stretch, all sorts of issues. Seeds getting caught and not being able to come out, they embed into the skin. There's a lot of a lot of responsibility goes with owning a noodle. Breed. So that can result in infections and things like that as well or that's right. Yeah. They can, you know, if if a seed, one of those little arrows I don't know what they're called. The grass seed, a grass yes, seed, grass seed goes into the and works its way in. It can't work its way out again. It's only got one way to go, and that's straight into the skin of the dog through the fur, and it will embed in there. And yeah. you can't just pull it out because the little spikes get caught. And it's actually a surgical procedure for the vet to remove. If they scratch themselves or cut themselves, you know, like scratching and that, the skin can break and bacteria can get in and they can get a hot spot and it's just bacteria growing. Mm. And it's a lot of pain and anguish for the dog. So, you know, and expensive. And expensive expensive for the the dog owner because, yeah, yeah, they have to, they usually end up at the vet, Mm. which has also been happening quite a bit during COVID and people have been taking clippers to their own dogs or scissors to try and, yeah, there's been lots of terrible accidents because they just don't realise how sensitive and how thin some of their skin is depending on where they're actually like under the tummy and anyway. If a dog gets really badly matted and you shave that's the coat off because that's the only option you've got, you can't get those mats out. It's too painful for the dog, too stressful. So you shave it all off. The skin actually is stretched. The matting causes their skin to stretch and it's out of condition and everything. And it takes a while then for the skin to get back its suppleness. And little the dog's the little nerve endings, the blood rushes to the nerve endings of the 
uh, the skin and causes little irritations in that. So um, and sometimes the customer thinks that, oh, you've caused the dog to get a rash with the thing, but it's not. It's the nerve endings suddenly having the blood pulsing through it to the ends yeah, because it's been, yeah. um, you know, circulation has stopped to the Yeah, it's really I was bad. a little bit naive to how important regular grooming was based on what you've told me today. I mean, I've always had short-haired dogs which don't require the same level of maintenance from a grooming perspective. I didn't realise, you know, how easily these implications could could come in. I mean, so you so you think a three to four week window is is the optimal time to be getting oh, a grooming done? Absolutely. When I was out on the road, and especially with the oodles, I used to encourage my customer to book in every three to four weeks, and there would be one would be a maintenance. Uh, you know, doing the hygiene areas, a good wash out and all the rest of it. And then the next one, we might be able to take a little bit off, especially if they want the coat to stay that nice, bit of a long coat, curls or whatever. But every three to four weeks, I would suggest. And certainly I'd say to them, if you're going to leave it for eight weeks, you're going to find that I'm going to have to shave it off again because it will get matted very quickly. And uh, sometimes the customers say, well, I'll bark the dog myself and that, and then they cause more matting because they don't brush the dog, the coat out properly, and it causes mm. wet matting that tightens even further, and it's like they're wearing a woolen jumper that's shrunk on them. It's really, you know, there's a lot of um, mm. a lot of uh, implications to not grooming your dog and the other dogs as well, like your um, golden retrievers will get mm. hot spots easily because of their combination coat. Um, Huskies. Huskies. Huskies are a big one, yeah. Yeah, they need to be de-shed properly. So owning a dog isn't just about taking it for a walk around the block, things like that. (laughs) So I guess any breeds that have the longer hair or or like a thick, a very thick coat are one of the types that, yeah. Yeah, double-coated dogs, as Janie mentioned, the Huskies, Mm. Malamutes, Border Collies, classic border collies you know that they need to be de-shed and raked out and everything you can't shave those dogs they shouldn't be shaved they have a double coat for a reason and to just think that oh that's all right i'll just get the coat shaved off because it's going to get hot and you know the dog will be more comfortable you make you're doing more harm for the dog by taking that coat off because the undercoat and the top coat the guard coat are there for a reason to keep them cool in summer and warm in winter. So they have to have a proper de-shedding regime. That makes sense. So you did mention, though, that the owners probably shouldn't be doing too much bathing and stuff themselves if they're going to a groomer regularly. But what can owners be doing, you know, in between their their grooming sessions just to keep the maintenance up? Oh, definitely combing and brushing the yeah, dog. I think I think that's the biggest mistake that people make as they go and buy a slicker brush, yeah. and they just brush and they think they're doing the dogs a favour by using a slicker brush, and but all they're doing is actually brushing the top layer. They're not getting in to actually loosen any mats underneath. So I'd say a wide tooth comb. Actually, got one right yes. here. <laughs> Very good. Props are always good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we um, go. Yeah. That's you know that's, that's cool. really yeah. the best thing to yeah. be using. That's um, a comb. Um, it's called a yeah. Comb. Okay. 
and do it while your dog's sleeping. Sorry. I always suggested to my customer to get their dog used to grooming and to groom them on a regular basis at home. Find a spot in the laundry or outside on a table, and that is where you groom them. That's This is where you brush them and comb them and clean their eyes with a wipe, wet wipe, things like that. Because being on your lap is supposed to, you know, that's when you love them and you're, you know, giving them a bit of loving and kissing and cuddling. But put them on somewhere and make them stand there or sit there and do it and train them to enjoy it as well. Don't do anything that can hurt them. Be gentle. Talk to them soothingly. And they'll get used to it, you know, as puppies. Well, that's the thing. They've got to get used to any process that you're doing to them, right? Because, and it, it's it's a foreign thing to them. So if it's, it's something new, like you've got a big brush with metal prongs on it in your hand, they're probably going to be a bit tentative. But yes. um, they'll yes, get used right. to it, as you said. And I tell customers, you know, your pup is going to need 15 years of this. So make it pleasant from the start. Have them professionally done with a groomer that knows, you know, that is very patient with their dog and they will learn to enjoy it because they've got to have it done for the next 15 years, 16, 17 years. Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing is like, you know, if you've got a dog that is going to require that regular grooming, go and see a professional groomer and just get the advice that you're giving now, which is, you know, understanding what maintenance you can be doing at home, but also understanding how regularly you should be going back. What are the most important things to be getting done when you go and see a groomer? The groomer is going to have experience in actually, you know, making the dog feel comfortable and all of that kind of stuff. So it's just going to really shortcut everything for you. Absolutely. Yeah, very important, very important. So, May, you obviously were doing financial planning before you became a groomer, which is I guess what that tells me is like just about anyone out there that loves dogs could become a groomer. So, Janie, do you want to tell me a bit more about if I wanted to become a groomer myself or someone I knew wanted to become a groomer or one of the listeners of the show wanted to become a groomer, where would they start? Um, Well, I would say that they need to start by asking themselves some easy questions to begin with. The first one, which is a very obvious one, is do they like dogs or do they love dogs? Because you really need to love dogs in this industry. Just liking them and particularly just liking your own dog isn't going to cut it. So it's a little bit like um, becoming a nanny. If you don't love all kids, um, don't become a nanny. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got to love dogs. You've got to just do a little bit of introspective work of knowing what sort of personality you are. If you're somebody that's really introverted, that is more a dog person than a people person, you have to know that you you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone in that respect. It's very, it's not the dog that makes the booking. You've got to be able to sell your services on the phone. You've got to be able to connect with customers because that's really what it's all about. And after that, I would then be looking around to making some decisions between do you want to join one of the three franchise chains. Obviously, I'm going to be biased and say we are by far the best for a number of reasons. <laughs> um, we're Australia's number one choice for starters. And um, we only do dogs. That's our specialty. We don't do anything else. We don't have, you know, 30 different services under our belt. We are all about dogs. So, so I'd start looking at the different companies. They are all very different. And the only thing that I would advise, whilst there will be many people that will think I can do this by myself and it's cheaper to set up 
a business by myself. I'll go and buy the trailer. I'll, you know, I'll do an online course, whatever. I would say don't do that. I don't care which franchise system you join, but starting a business is challenging and dog grooming is a skill and you have to learn that skill and it takes time and marketing a business and all the things that you need to set up your business legally is what we do. We hold your hand right through the whole process and we're there to support you all the way to success. Whereas if you're on your own, doing it independently, it's definitely much tougher. Our, our little tagline within the office is with Blue Wheelers, you're um, you're on your own, but you're never alone. So you, that little bit, you know, you've always got the support there. You've always got a fellow franchisee, you know, next next to you that can help you. You've got a whole bunch of, of support team members and, um, you know, we want your success. It's interesting with an independent business, nobody wants your success except you. But with a, any franchise system, be it dog grooming or lawn mowing or whatever it is, a McDonald's, the system wants your success. We don't like to have anybody that doesn't succeed. So to me, that's a no-brainer in, in actually establishing a business. Mm, absolutely. I guess having that support, the marketing engine and the support of the other franchisees and everything like that is something that if you were to do it yourself, you don't have any of that support network. You need to build it up from scratch yourself. So it was an interesting point that you made in terms of being like liking dogs or loving dogs because if you're going to be seeing a dog every you know well every day but also you're going to be seeing the same owner every three to four weeks and you need to build rapport with them and and all that kind of stuff they're all important things to be thinking about if that's the the path you want to take from a training perspective like if someone doesn't currently know how to groom a dog is there you know some sort of best practice training program they can do or do blue wheelers provide that for new franchisees or how does that all work we do um our training get, runs over about four weeks. So they have on-road training with a, a with an experienced franchisee who they go out with and they learn how that person, how that franchisee runs their business. And they do on-road training with them, washing the dogs, brushing, learning how to man, handle the dog as well, bit of nail clipping, learning how to use the equipment as well, clippers, scissors, but not with, you know, some of them will show them how to do it and let them prep a dog, this sort of thing. And then they have a fairly full-on training, formal training at a dog clipping school that we use, and they do that. And then when they come out and they take over their business, whether they're starting a new business or taking over an existing one, they're buying one, then we have our support person that goes out with them. Each state has a support person. I can't really look after Vic and I was looking after, after South, uh, New South Wales, but because of the border restrictions. But we go out with them for the first week just to ensure, you know, for at least a half a dozen full clips and a few washes that we're there observing, making sure that they're okay with it. And then for the first month, it's pretty much calling them, Going out with them, video calling to make sure that they it's and they have to they just practice they have to keep doing it over and over again, and then we're constantly bringing them. They're calling us. I've done video calls all around Australia, 
talking of even an existing franchisee how to do a specific room, you know, with a video call. So they're, as Jamie said, they're on their own, but they're never alone because there's always someone that can call me or one of the other team support persons that they can call on to help them out, go out to see them, help them out with something. So, yeah, we, we're pretty proud of our training. And then we do the business training as well. Spend two, four uh, couple of days with them going through all the, well, I don't like to call it compliance. I like to call it best practice. Yeah. But there's also compliance about road regulations, EPA. We don't just cover oh, what you have to do to be a blue wheeler. Mm-hmm with your uniform and your standards and that. But there's also, you need to, you know, taxation, uh, GST, EPA, road traffic. We we cover all that. Insurance, yeah. you know, that's all part of running a business. Even to the point of, of teaching people how to actually reverse their trailer. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, always, we always joke. We've had so many females join the company. And they always say it's their biggest fear. We've never had a man actually say that, but we think that they secretly hold They're the same fear. They're probably thinking it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm hearing anyway is, is if you were to become a blue wheeler, grooming, like take over a grooming business or start a grooming business with blue wheelers, you'd be you'd have a huge amount of support in that first few months and ongoing just to kind of make yourself, make yourself feel confident with, with the grooming aspect, the business aspect, everything you need to do. Yeah, it's yeah. not just when you first start out. Yesterday I was on the phone for nearly 50 minutes with an existing franchisee in Melbourne one who was having trouble with a trailer pump. And then she ended up spending another couple of hours with our New South Wales guy, Cole, our BDM, who's, who knows trailers inside out. Absolutely. And he spent a couple of hours with her. This is on a Sunday. Now, if you're an independent, who are you going to call on a Sunday to help you because you can't get your trailer pump working. Yeah, that's true. And she's been around for nearly four years, this one. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, mechanics, you're not really getting it. You're not becoming a mechanic, are you? No, that's it. But we cover everything. We we support them in everything, in, you know, their accounting, their booking and accounting system that is exclusive to Blue Wheelers. We help them with that. The trailers, with dog grooming, with handling customers for, you know, all everything. How, how will I do this, May? Jane, Martin, Kelly, you know. <laughs> I'm having a problem with this. You know, what do I do? And we're there. That's good to know. Very supportive uh, franchise business. Okay, well, Janie, May, thank you so much for everything you've shared today on The Dog Show about dog grooming and running a dog grooming business and basically all things dogs, which we all love. So it's been fun to chat. Where's the best place people can go to find out more about Blue Wheelers? Obviously the website, uh, bluewheelers.com.au or they can flag one of the blue dogs driving down the street (laughs) Um, and have a chat to one of our franchisees. That's part of the process. We make sure that they they speak to everybody and, yeah, or through our Facebook, any socials, Blue Wheelers, it's all there. Yeah, perfect. So I'd recommend everyone checks out the socials. You've got all the socials on there. I'll share the links. Um, You've also got YouTube. You've got the website. Everything's going on online so people can 
get a really good feel for what it's like to be in the Blue Wheeler family, I'm sure, just by, by checking all of that out. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And they get to go out for an experience day is one of the first things that we organise so they can go out for a day with the groomer. And uh, usually by the end of that day, it's pretty black and white. They either go completely not what I thought it was going to be or where can I sign? Yeah. Desperate to get going. Try before you buy. Try before you buy. Correct. Sounds That's great. Right. That's what I did and I've never looked back. Never looked back. Never looked back. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, well, thanks once again for coming on the show today. I've really Pleasure. enjoyed the chat. Yes, thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you for 